0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Is it just me? It feels like this post-Thanksgiving week was a super busy one. Even though the news has piled on, we somehow, we made it to Friday. So it's time to go behind the headlines on stories like these.
1: The deadline passed for candidates to file petitions... To be on the February ballot for Chicago mayor.
0: This is a tough environment for incumbents, and I'm very
1: clear-eyed about that. Looks like Chicago Alderman Ed Burt's 50-plus year career at City
2: Hall will end quietly.
1: Mayor Lightfoot is under fire for her political connection to the Chicago fire.
2: A new judge will oversee a federal consent decree ordering the Chicago Police Department to make sweeping reforms.
0: See? Told you. Well, here to help us dive into the top local stories for our weekly news recap is Christian Farr, reporter for NBC5 Chicago. Welcome back, Christian. Good to see you. Dan Mahalopoulos is here, WBEZ investigative reporter on government and politics. Hey, Dan.
3: My pleasure always.
0: And joining us for the very first time here on The Recap is Alice Yen, political reporter for the Chicago Tribune. Welcome, Alice. Thanks for having me. And I want to give a special shout out to the folks who are watching us right now break down the week's news live on WBEZ's Facebook and YouTube pages. You can also watch the live stream on Reset's Facebook page. All right, let's dig in, Alice. Monday was the last day to file the required 12,500 signatures that are needed to be a candidate for mayor. What was the scene like at the Board of uh, Elections?
2: Yeah, um, in the morning, it was definitely a bit of a surprise because we knew the mayor had not planned to go for the first slot in the ballot. So we thought she would probably um, arrive around 4 p.m. to get the last slot on the ballot. But she actually showed up in the morning. Um, There was some speculation it might have been because she wanted, you know, the room to herself and not to be in the same room as Uh, Representative Garcia. But um, she kind of spun it as, you know, I'm the mayor. I don't need to worry about these games Um, in terms of being first or last. um, I'm confident in my standing. And she also mentioned, you know, she had a city to run, although it's not her really collecting the petitions, but her volunteers. Explain how that works with
0: with the slots. You mentioned placement on the ballots.
2: Yeah. uh, So it's a lottery. Um, If you show up for the first hour, the first day, um, you are guaranteed into the lottery and then they whoever gets selected is the top of the ballot, which, you know, some say gives you a modest advantage. Some say doesn't really matter. And then if you are at the last hour on the last day of filing, which was Monday, um, then you are entered into a lottery for the uh, last slot.
0: Yeah. So now that the filing deadline has passed, Alice, catch us up. Who is officially in and out of this mayor's race?
2: Yeah, so 11 people filed, um, eight major challengers to Lightfoot. Um, We have, you know, people running from the left and then some to the right. Um, So, yeah, um, it definitely looks like it will probably come um, out to a runoff. But um, beyond that, still a lot to be determined. Dan, Christian, what do you think about
0: the slots on the ballot? Does it matter? Uh,
3: Maybe a little bit. I mean, I I think what I was looking at more closely uh, was um, how many signatures people had. Sometimes it's a show of force. And the way the system works here is you you need a certain number, but they might challenge you if you don't have uh, some of them might not be valid. Some people might not be registered voters, might not live in the city. And so if you if you challenge them, you can knock someone off the ballot. And that's sort of the phase we're going into. It seems the major candidates, including the mayor, have plenty of signatures. The rule of thumb is to have three times as many mm-hmm. as, as the minimum that you need to make your petitions bulletproof for, for against challenges. I wasn't really that impressed with the numbers that came in. I think they were some of the major candidates have told me they were in the range of 40,000-something signatures. Uh, you know, I don't know that anybody's gone through there outside of the campaigns and actually counted. But what you have um, ultimately, is it's not a patronage system anymore. You know, a lot of them are volunteers, like Alice said. Possibly some of them may be paid. Um, we saw that with Rahm Emanuel's campaigns. But I remember candidates bringing in 90,000 signatures. Mm -hmm. And again, that's not a reflection of someone's support any more than lawn signs are. But it is a reflection of organization. And there are not the sort of organizations that existed in the past where you could reward people with patronage jobs, with public jobs that have good pay and good benefits for going out and doing this sort of campaign grunt work. And so I think we see a little bit of that weakness and people have had to cobble together some coalitions. And, to and get remind this done.
0: us, remind us how what? What was Lori Lightfoot's reason for turning in her signatures on the last day?
2: Um, she pretty much said there's no magic to it. Um, so there's you know a bunch of speculation on like um, her motivations here or there, but um, officially she, she just kind of just wanted to do it her way, I guess. Yeah. Well, Christian, you sat down
0: for an interview with the mayor last week. How confident is she about her re-election?
1: Well, I mean, she says that she knows she's got some big challengers out there. She doesn't take this race lightly because she's the incumbent. Um, you know, she is um, putting her record forward, saying uh, about the things that she's been able to do for this city, the improvements she's been able to make. Uh, this interview was done during a um, South um west um improvement uh streetscape improvement that they were doing Mm -hmm. where they're pouring millions of dollars throughout different parts of the city this was happening in south chicago so she's kind of standing on her record right now Uh, at the time that's when ray lopez had dropped out of the race and one of the reasons why he said that he dropped out of that race is because he did not want her to be more powerful during a runoff she kind of blew that off um you know she knows she's got an uphill battle um, does she but, talk
0: about priorities if she does get a second term?
1: Um, she just talked about continuing to doing to do keep doing what she's been doing. That's pretty much what she said. Um you know, she feels like she's done a good job. She's gonna continue to do that job. Um but you know, who knows what's gonna happen in February when all this happens. You just don't know.
0: Right. Uh Alice, Congressman Garcia just picked up a union endorsement this week, but so far union support's pretty divided between the candidates, right?
2: Right. Yeah, it's definitely looking different than previous elections where, um, as we remember last time Garcia ran, he had CTU and SEIU's um, endorsements. And uh, it seems this time, you know, um, Brandon Johnson, him and um, Lightfoot are all kind of jockeying for various union support. Um, Obviously, you know, Johnson has the big support from CTU and SEIU this time around. But, you know, Lightfoot um, still trying to quietly make connections with uh, mostly trade unions. Um, You know, she has uh, the endorsement, I believe, of the Plumbers Union and, um, she has um you know curried favor with uh hospitality unions after uh getting the casino deal through um but yeah uh garcia 's endorsement from local one fifty isn 't to be counted out. They have loads of money and um it 's going to be uh, a pretty interesting landscape to monitor regarding union support yeah
0: well dan you 've been noticing some odd alliances. In the mayor's race,
3: well, look, uh, politics make strange bedfellows, and uh, there are people out there that are looking around and thinking uh, different interest groups, including unions and public employee unions, that say, you know, maybe uh, Lori Lightfoot as a mayor is not our meal ticket. Maybe Tru Garcia will be, and uh, so you're starting. To, and in the case of Local 150, what I pointed out just on on my uh, Twitter um, was. Uh, Local 150 is not the most progressive union. Historically, they've supported some Republicans. They're based outside of the city and in the suburbs and countryside, I believe. Uh, Somebody pointed out um, that their leadership is entirely white men. I haven't confirmed that, but um, they they sent some screen grabs from their website uh, that show that, you know, clearly the leadership and the membership to a great extent. um, Lacking diversity. Right. And, And so Chuy Garcia being... Uh, a progressive alderman maybe that's a little bit off brand but you know you make deals with who you can make deals with uh, they were also i think big supporters of of Mike Madigan at one time the now uh, indicted uh, former speaker of the house in Springfield so uh, you know it, it'll be interesting to see uh, some of the combinations we have may not be intuitive or, or yeah. seem natural.
0: We got a comment from Angela on YouTube. Angela says, this is my first election in Chicago, and I must say the people on street corners asking for my signature downtown, it makes a lot more sense now. So, uh, Dan, sticking with you for a moment, what's what's going on with uh, former mayoral candidate Ray Lopez? He's making headlines. He says he wants the mayor to be investigated for a campaign contribution.
3: Yeah, this is uh, one of my favorite uh, topics. Is uh, It combines two of my favorite topics, I should say, soccer. And uh, a lot of people know I'm a soccer fan yes. as well as, um, uh, you know, political intrigue and alleged um, malfeasance. But in this case, uh, what Ray Lopez is saying is, is you know, we've already talked about how he's not a fan of the mayor right. um, and probably the most vocal critic of the mayor on the city council. Um, he's talking about a $25,000 donation that the mayor's reelection campaign got from a billionaire named Joe Mansueto, who owns the Chicago Fire soccer team in Major League Soccer. Uh, They play their games at Soldier Field, but now they're they're getting a new facility uh, for training, I believe, out on the west side. It was a bit controversial. It took a while. She had to use her muscle, the mayor, to get it through a couple months back because um, one of the controversial things is they're using Chicago Housing Authority land. So you have land that all this public housing got torn down over the last, you know, 20 years or so. And, of course, the city and various administrations and the CHA promised that they would create new affordable housing. Well, they haven't created nearly as much as they tore down, Mm -hmm. nearly as much as they said they would, and yet you're giving this piece of property to a professional sports team owned by a billionaire, and then that billionaire makes a donation. Now, you know, I don't know if the Ethics Board or the inspector general, as, as Lopez wants, is going to do anything about that. I mean, do you that. think
0: it's worth the IG looking into?
3: I think even when you look at his statement about it, it's an issue of perception more than – and the mayor's people say that they followed the rules. You know, there are rules that are intended to, to prohibit uh, this sort of uh, appearance of, of pay-to-play But there are loopholes in those rules that you could drive a $25,000 donation through, I I would imagine.
0: I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We're going behind the headlines in the Weekly News Recap with Chicago Tribune political reporter Alice Yen, WBEZ investigative reporter Dan Mahalopoulos, and Christian Farr, reporter for NBC5. A reminder, you can now watch the Weekly News Recap live on the WBEZ Facebook and YouTube pages, and you can leave us a comment or question or just talk to us in that YouTube chat box, and I may just read what you have to say about these stories on the air. Back to you, Alice. Monday was also the last day to file to run for city council. Chicago's longest-serving alderman also made some news that day. Fill us in.
2: Yeah, um, it was pretty much a 50-50 surprise for all of us. Um, (laughs) We knew he was out there for weeks collecting petitions. And we're talking about Alderman Ed Burke. Yeah. um, Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, And, you know, I think even um, some of his uh, supporters who were out there collecting petitions didn't really know what what was going to happen with them. Uh, but it was pretty much wait until 5 p.m. Board of Elections confirmed to us he did not file to run. And uh, that was how we found out about the news. Um, but, you know, I... I, I don't know exactly what this means for him next. Um, I, he hasn't spoken about what he's going to do about his position as 14th Ward Democratic committee man. Um, we know his you know, wife also announced her retirement um, from the Illinois Supreme Court this year. Um, but it definitely spells kind of the end of an era. Longest serving alderman, um, very um, closely associated with the Chicago machine, if you will. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, could spell a new era.
0: Well, Dan, Christian, what do you think? Your thoughts on Burke's legacy what will that be
1: i mean that's so interesting i mean you know look fall from grace you know and then a part of the council wars i mean when you look back at chicago history alderman burke has been a part of it um and so not to hear his name i've been in chicago for 16 years and i mean the day i showed up i started at ttw so we did a ton of politics when I was there, and that's why I got ingrained into the political structure of Chicago, which was totally different from where I came from in Philadelphia, mm. to have 50 aldermen and one of those most powerful ones, if not maybe the most powerful one at that time, Ed Burke. And now to see him step away – and truly, this is a fall of race. He's not going out. <laughs> you know, We've seen a lot of aldermen yeah. go down. We've seen a lot of politicians go down and just – the past uh, several months, um, being indicted, being you know put behind bars, things that the whole Daily family, you know, when you look at what's going on with Patrick Daly Thompson, it's just you know it's shocking what's going to happen next here, um, and his wife, you know, also uh, Ed Burke's wife, um, stepping down as well. So uh, it's definitely the end of a political era, and and you want to see what's going to happen next with that.
0: Yeah, thoughts on YouTube. Shamrock Bloom says, "Good riddance to Ed Burke. How could he even be eligible to run after being indicted?" Alice, hasn't been convicted yet. You, yeah, true. Uh, Alice, any idea who might want to replace Burke as a 14th Ward alder person?
2: Yeah, uh, two people filed uh, for his open seat. Uh, I don't remember their exact names, but I think one of them um, is the chief of staff for Cook County Commissioner Alma Anaya. Um, and the other is um, someone who's been closely tied with Burke's political circle. So it will be kind of an interesting matchup. Um I know last time he won re-election, despite it happening after the FBI raid. And -hmm. uh, I think Chewy put up, uh, or not put up, he endorsed a candidate against him, and um, it did not work out.
0: Let's go through a couple more comments on social. Uh, Well, Chicago 675 says, didn't Mayor Lightfoot say she was going to be different from past mayors? This soccer story is a mess for her, and the whole CHA land swap isn't a good look for her either. Um, And uh, the same person continues to say, even if there is a legal loophole, the mayor knows the spirit of the law. Uh, Turning to something very different, a new judge has taken over the massive court-ordered reform of the Chicago Police Department. Can you give us an update, Christian? Um. These uh, it's, reforms it's, are part of the, the 2019 consent decree. Oh, you're talking
1: about the, the consent decree hearing? Is that? Okay. Yeah. So there, there was a hearing um, uh, this week involving the consent decree where a lot of people came forward. One of those individuals being Anjanette Young, we've heard about that story. It's It's been out there for mm-hmm. some time. CBS2 did a huge um, investigation on on that, and that was a raid that happened by the Chicago Police Department into the wrong home. Um, and there was body cam video that uh, her attorney at the time was able to um, was able to get. And it was just shocking to see how she was treated during that. And of course, we have this consent decree that was born out of what happened with Laquan McDonald. We know that there was a police narrative in the Laqu- Laquan McDonald case that did not match exactly what happened and did not match what happened on that body cam footage. And so this hearing was really about um, people complaining that there's not enough changes going on, especially with the foot chase policy or just police chase policy uh, yeah. in general. And they want things to happen more quickly. And this really goes down the lines of race, correct? You've got black and white and you have a lot of black people who live on the south and west sides of Chicago who are complaining how the police are treating them, that they're over-policing in certain communities. And so um, you had some people come up there and say this would not happen in a white community with white police officers, but it's happening in a black community with white police officers. So they want some change to happen more quickly. Um, you know, the attorney general's office is still a part of this as well, also saying that that change needs to happen more quickly. There is some pushback. Um, and uh, we have to wait and see if yeah. we are actually going to see some change because we're still doing a lot of stories About police involved shootings, waiting to have video released when those shootings happen, Um, and you know, waiting to see if um, more police officers will be charged. We haven't seen that uh, happen greatly yet. Waiting to see
0: some results. Yeah, you just haven't seen them. You know,
1: and you wait for the Copa video to come to, to come out. You see the Copa video, people are shocked. Um, and then you wait several months and then maybe charges happen or don't happen or they're less than what they think, and it's still created a lot of public outcry.
0: Yeah. And Alice, a former manager at the Cook County Land Bank Authority has been charged with fraudulently purchasing and reselling vacant, blighted properties. So before we get into the details, what exactly is the Cook County Land Bank Authority?
2: Yeah, um, it's an authority uh, created a few years ago to help... um, uh, how do I describe it? Redevelop. Yeah, like they um, they pro- like they buy up de- like properties of delinquent taxes and then they uh, redevelop them so that they don't go to waste. I see.
0: So they like they redevelop vacant properties.
2: Uh, essentially, or, or they resell them, or they they buy them up and then they find buyers for it. I see. Yeah. And so so what happened here with this former manager? Um, yeah. So uh, he was an employee of the Cook County Land Bank, and I guess he's charged with. Um, you know, wrongdoing in terms of um, flipping these properties. And uh, he also secretly set
0: up a property management company that raked in more than a million dollars. How did that scheme
2: work? Um, I, I guess the details are still to be um, revealed, but uh, it seems that um, th- there was probably some lack of oversight there. Or um, because he was a manager, he was the one in charge of the oversight. Yeah. So, um, yeah, interesting stuff. Well, we're going to yeah, pick it's up. A,
3: it's a board that uh, was set up by Commissioner Bridget Gaynor, who's still the head of it, but they say that they were victimized by this. Uh, really? You know, was the proper oversight there? I think questions remain, and we'll see how that develops. Uh, but it, it's certainly not a good look for, uh, again, a progressive Democratic commissioner from the north side to set up this thing that's, you know, has an altruistic goal to get these properties back on the tax rolls. And now, It's got the feds crawling in there and, um, you know, issuing this indictment of one of uh, their employees.
0: Let's pick up the weekly news recap in just a moment with Christian Farr of NBC5, the Chicago Tribune's Alice Yin and WBEZ investigative reporter Dan Mahalopoulos. Back now with more Reset. I'm your host, Sasha Ann Simons. And if you're just tuning in, it's our weekly news recap where we make sense of the week's top local and state stories. Before the break, we got the latest on the mayoral race, but there is much more to get to.
1: A woman from Naperville received a sentence of probation today for her role in the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol.
0: Lawmakers gather to commemorate former President Barack Obama's campaign announcement at the old state capitol in Springfield.
2: Democratic state lawmakers are proposing to ban the sale of assault rifles in Illinois. Yesterday was the
0: last day of veto sessions this year for Illinois lawmakers, and they finally approved changes to the controversial Safety Act. Our panel today is Chicago Tribune political reporter Alice Ian, WBEZ investigative reporter Dan Mehalopoulos, and Christian Farr, reporter for NBC Five Chicago. All right, Christian, lawmakers are finishing up the year's final legislative session today. Let's take a look at what's been happening first. Changes to the controversial criminal justice law that's known as the Safety Act. I know there's some 308 pages in this amendment, Christian. Give us a few of the highlights. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think the biggest one is cash bail, the elimination of it. This was really big during the governor's race, as we know, on the Republican side with Darren Bailey and the pact that was supporting him. It was it was really about uh, January 1st. The doors are going to swing open and a bunch of criminals, violent criminals are going to be out on the street. And we're not going to be able to control them. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other side of this, the supporters of the Safety Act, which has been, uh, you know, law in the state of Illinois for um a while now, uh, just was going to go into um, – well, what was approved already. It was going to go into effect on January 1st of next year. Um, say there was a lot of misinformation put out there that that was not going to happen, um, that the problems with cash bail overall is that if you're a poor person, you can't get out of jail and you can't give yourself an effective defense because you don't have the money and people who do have the money are able to get out have an effective defense, and and be able to defend themselves against yeah. certain crimes.
0: And to your earlier point, let's not forget the Safety Act, it played a, a prominent role in the midterms, right? It did. Republicans were using it to attack Democrats, saying, you know, they're soft on crime.
1: Right. And big here in Illinois. I mean, you know, d- just talking about it in, in, in every election that was going on. I mean, I think it even ended up in the governor's race in Arizona as well. Um, so there was um, a proposed changes to it brought uh, by Senator Robert Peters, Um, And those changes are 308 pages. And um, really, uh, what Senator L.G. Sims, who also supports this, uh, had told me is that it was really more of a clarification of um, what the Safety Act is all about, especially as it relates to cash bail, that judges will still have. Some discretion in terms of holding somebody who may be a threat to the community. So it doesn't simply mean that they're going to be running out on the street, which is what a lot of those political ads kind of suggested. Um, Talking to Representative Jim Durkin, um, he still felt like uh, the Democrats ran this by the Republicans uh, in the state. They were given 24 hours to look at this new proposed change. Mm -hmm. He didn't think that they had the votes to do this, but they did. And so now we're awaiting to see the governor sign this. The governor backs the elimination of cash bail as well. He still supports the Safety Act, but he did agree that changes needed to be made. Um, but there's still a lot of concern on the Republican side, especially for law enforcement and prosecutors, about what this means in a courtroom after January 1st. Right. They still believe that there's going to be a lot of confusion um, in terms of how to handle certain defendants.
0: Interesting. And also happening in this legislative session, Illinois lawmakers are officially divesting state investments from Russian banks and companies. What are the details?
3: Yeah, they are uh, trying to um, you know, punish Russia and Belarus, which is a sort of puppet state of uh, the Putin regime. Um, you know, Illinois has a large Ukrainian community. We have a lot of Ukrainian refugees. Uh, there, there's one uh, has a locker next to my kid at school and um, uh, they, um, the sympathy is with them. And obviously our government in Washington is, is with them in the state department. But, uh, But, you know, is it as a practical matter something that's going to make a big difference? One of the biggest, if not the biggest, pension fund, TRS, the Teachers uh, Pension Fund, said they have $4.27 million invested in Russia, which is point zero zero (laughs) seven double zero seven percent of their portfolio. But, you know, passed unanimously. And in this day and age, you know, we're talking about the Safety Act. That was a party line vote. Uh, This uh, measure to support Ukraine and punish Russia for its aggression against an independent uh, neighboring country got bipartisan you know unanimous support in springfield, so that's one of the few things that that continue to unite most, if not all, of our elected officials at the state and federal levels
0: and uh, Christian Illinois Democrats said that they're hoping to introduce a major gun control bill in yes, January too.
3: yes, and um this is going to be a
1: massive gun control bill that would outlaw the sale of assault weapons, prevent most residents from under the age of twenty one from legally buying a gun, we. this is really, really born out of what happened in Highland Park. I was working that day and it was yeah. kind of devastating to get that phone call um, to hear about what happened. You know, people going, I mean, as a television broadcast reporter, covering a July 4th parade is kind of commonplace, especially in the suburbs. And then this to happen in Highland Park, um, you know, unsuspecting people um, being shot and killed and then finding out the details afterwards um, in terms of how he was able to acquire that uh, weapon. And so Senator Bob Morgan is the one. uh, He was at the parade and he's saying that Democrats hope to pass this bill in the lame duck session in early January. They're going to have public hearings that should be held um, this month. Uh, But, you know, it's a big deal. People are concerned about uh, their rights, their Mm -hmm. gun rights and things of that nature. So there's going to be a lot of pushback with this. Um, There was pushback initially when they had this assault weapons ban. There's a lot of people that say that um, when that ban was lifted, that's why we've ended up with all of these mass shootings you know um mm-hmm. who knows this is definitely an issue where you know either you're a, you're a gun lover or you're a gun hater and that's kind of where you kind of have to sit and figure out what are you going to do with this because no one wants another highland park but no one can agree on exactly why we ended up with that
0: right right online our friend shamrat bloom says please that is the absolute minimum we could do mm-hmm so a lot of a lot of thoughts there, Dan, you wrote a story this week. It was about Illinois state Senator Michael Hastings. What's going on with him?
3: Yeah, it's kind of awkward. um there is a a senator who's been accused of uh domestic violence by his ex wife uh His divorce was sealed, which is is pretty unusual. We at w b z went to court in Will County to get that unsealed. It was fought by uh, Senator Hastings. We won October 25th, shortly before the election. But after early voting had begun, we got those files. They, they, they detailed those allegations more thoroughly. Uh, he denies them. He continues to run, even though Governor J.B. Pritzker, who's of the same party, they're both Democrats, mm-hmm. tells him that he should step down. And he wins reelection against his Republican challenger by less than 1% of the vote, So where does this leave Senate President Don Harmon? Um, And uh, he decided that he would uh, not, he told us, at least in an interview recently, that he will not uh, reappoint um, Senator Hastings to head the important uh, committee on energy and public utilities, which oversees, you know, ComEd and and other um, public utilities like that. And it's very influential on environmental issues. So. As far as we know, Hastings will be back on. My understanding is he hasn't been in Springfield uh, the last uh, couple times that the lawmakers have been down there since the election. Hmm.
0: Well, a new historical plaque went up in Springfield this week. It was honoring where Barack Obama launched his campaign for president. Let's listen to a clip of what Illinois' Speaker of the House, Emmanuel Chris Welch, had to say.
3: When people come to the state capitol and visit this place... They will forever be reminded of the generational change that President Obama started. They will forever be inspired to hope. They will forever be inspired to believe in change that we can all believe in.
0: So I don't know if you saw this, Christian, but yesterday Obama was in Georgia. He was campaigning for Democrat Raphael Warnock in the state's Senate runoff. I don't know how you feel, but does the former president seem to you like he's still got that star power?
1: And my personal opinion I think he does. And yeah. I, and I think wh- I think there was a clip that went viral where, where somebody was like and He
0: was a know, real comedian. Yeah, yeah, and he really was. I mean, <laughs> he was
1: talking about the whole Werewolf thing with Herschel Walker. Um yes. I mean, I think he still does. And um and so does his wife. I mean, uh, she's going to have uh, I think another one of her big uh, book release you know, launches that she's going to be correct. having and yeah. so this week I think. Yeah, yeah, and 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 people are still, you know, buying tickets and going to see that um I th- I think so. And, I, and you know, as you, you know, look forward to, uh, we could see Donald Trump running for, pre- well, he's, we're going to see it. He's running for president once again. He's made while, the announcement. While still being investigated um, by that January 6th uh, committee. And, um, and so, you know, you got still got Joe Biden sitting in that chair uh, as president who, you know, was able to essentially dethrone him, you know, so. The The landscape has not changed that much. You know, we still have those same players that are out there. And Barack Obama was a part of that. I mean, he's a part of uh, Chicago, Illinois history, uh, mm-hmm. history of uh, the United States, history of the world Absolutely. Um, by what he did in his, you know, um, being able to be reelected. Yeah, I think he still does have that star power. Look, I was going through my Instagram feed. He popped up and I looked. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Exactly. I took a chuckle and moved on.
0: Exactly. Yeah. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, we are going behind the headlines in the weekly news recap with – Uh, Chicago Tribune political reporter Alice Yin, WBEZ investigative reporter Dan Mahalopoulos, and Christian Farr, reporter for NBC5 Chicago. We're still online on YouTube and Facebook if you prefer to watch. Over to you, Alice, because former Vice President and Indiana Governor Mike Pence was in town this week. He was speaking before about 300 people at the Union League Club of Chicago. Tell us why he was in town and, and what he had to say.
2: Yeah, um, I believe he was, you know, promoting his book touring, I guess, trying to get himself out there as he thinks about his plans for 2024 and beyond. Um, And uh, yeah, he's kind of like, I guess, presenting this weird divide in the Republican Party where uh, they know that, you know, Trump is meeting some very bad people and uh, they should disavow those people. But they don't know what to do about him. They um, are afraid to cross him, but I think they're a little less afraid than they maybe were earlier this year or mm-hmm. a year or two ago. Um, so uh, yeah, it remains to see what he's gonna announce, but um, he definitely is uh you know trying to make his rounds.
0: Well, did he at least give any hint about whether he's going to run for president?
2: Uh I think I believe all he said was wait till after the holidays. And we'll see. Oh, gosh. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what did Mike Pence say, though, about Trump's you know, Mar-a-Lago dinner with, with Kanye West, who now we you know goes by Ye? Um, he had dinner with Ye and Nick Fuentes, who've both become notorious for their anti-Semitic comments. Did he
2: say anything more? Um, he disavowed those two figures, but um, he kind of was like... Tr- threading the line with, um, you know, directly criticizing Trump. Um, He, you know, in his book, uh, he and which he still stands by, he says, you know, I don't think Trump is an anti-Semitic. I don't think he's a racist, et cetera, et cetera. And um, yeah, though that quote might go on to haunt him later whatever his plans are yeah. but he's standing by it you guys
0: following this stuff uh, I, I it's hard not to see all of the uh, yay just keeps trending for random things but uh, you know both yay and Nick Fuentes they have strong Chicago ties right oh
1: big time I mean but I mean Kanye said he was going to go at Defcon 5 that's what he said he was going to do sure did. he's clearly doing that uh right now I mean being connected to Nick Fuentes um I don't know. This is it's 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 troubling, you know. Um, you know, I think Kanye would have kind of led to that Chicago legend kind of thing because of his music, his lyrics, the things he kind of stood for. Um, I don't know. I think people are are, are still troubled by just uh, what they hear from him, um, and so uh, you know, I don't know what this means to be connected to Donald Trump at this time. Um, and uh, now you've got, you know, Mike Pence commenting on that. The red wave didn't happen that we thought was going to happen. Um, so yeah. it's just it's an interesting political time.
0: Yeah. And for, you know, anyone not familiar, Nick Fuentes grew up in in the western suburbs, graduated in 2016 from Lyons Township High School. He was student council president. Uh, but he's a far right video streamer who's been kicked off nearly every major social media platform for hate speech violations we know i think a lot of us woke up this morning to the uh, update that yay has also now been suspended
3: by Uh, Elon musk himself apparently right now the arbiter and and the owner um yeah nick fuentes though uh it's not just the the anti-semitism i've listened to some of the comments very misogynistic as well um and uh you know very young guy but has risen to prominence by saying some of the most inflammatory things you can imagine, yeah. and then shows up at Mar-a-Lago with Kanye. And
1: Trump praised him, right? I mean, he liked Nick Fuentes, thought he was a great guy, but had no idea anything about him, you know. Yeah. And so, what does that say about you know a person who's running for president?
0: So, Christian, as as we're discussing the rise of anti-Semitism, I know that your wife, who's uh, Karen <laughs> Jordan, over yes. at ABC Seven. Uh, she talked to former Fox Thirty Two reporter Larry Yellen this week. He shared his own experience with this. Fill us in yeah,
1: just the 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 background to that. And again, this is for my wife. She's the one who did the story. Um, but shout I know, out to Karen. yeah, shout out to Karen Jordan, ABC, ABC Seven. You know, she works for the enemy. Um, but uh, did I say that? Uh, it was but a great story. It, it was a great story. And Larry Yellen, um, if anybody doesn't remember him, fantastic reporter at uh, Fox 32, um, an attorney. But just whenever you ended up on a story with Larry Yellen, you you, you kind of you stood up a little bit more. You looked around a little bit more because you were, I felt like I was in the presence of royalty. Mm. He was um, a, a mentor, I considered him, a fantastic guy. But retired some years ago. His parents, uh, he's from Waukegan, and his parents are buried in a Waukegan cemetery. and And it was um, desecrated um, and uh, swastikas and things of that nature. And so um, he was outspoken about this. um, And, you know, uh, you know, there's he wanted people to really know after this happened. They've kind of cleaned up those headstones um, after those um, anti-Semitic symbols were placed there. And, you know, he wanted people to really know that he grew up in this community. He helped this community. His parents helped this community. Um, You know, and a lot of the people who were impacted by this, the families, um, came to his bar mitzvah when he was um, a child, celebrated with him. Um, I believe his father was in World War II, was a a B-17 bombardier. And so uh, these are people who really helped, you know, part of their greatest generation, helped shape this country. And, you know, here you are laid to rest. You should be laid to rest in peace. And then to have this happen... Um, is just really shocking. It really is so, tragic. And it's glad, I'm, I'm glad that he spoke out and said something. He's been taking an active role in politics, um, I believe, since he's retired. Um, but he was a sharp reporter, fantastic uh, mentor to many of us who kind of came up in, mm-hmm. in Chicago news. And so um, I'm glad he was able to speak out, and I'm glad that uh, people paid attention to the story.
0: Well, before we take a quick pause, I'm coming back to you, Dan, because well, where there's anti-Semitism there's often white supremacy this week, the sentencing of the head of the Oath Keepers made national news here in Illinois. A Naperville woman uh, was sentenced to 18 months probation for participating in that January 6th uprising details.
3: Yeah. Dan Frankowski of Naperville was uh, described as an online follower of the Oath Keepers, that, that violent uh, seditionist insurrectionist group. And uh, she said she was in the Capitol for 11 minutes on January 6th, 2021 uh, during that uprising that was uh, was squashed. But she got 18 months probation and 100 hours community service. I thought the most moving part to me was she she was messaging one of her other fellow rioters and said, if Trump doesn't get this done, we are going to jail. But as some will point out, she is not going to prison after all. And so some people look at that and, and have communicated with me when I, when I tweeted that story that um, they think that it's Another example of, kind of soft um, treatment of mm-hmm. people that participated in the events of January 6, 2021 and wanted to change the outcome of, of a free and fair election.
0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, it's our weekly news recap where we make sense of the top local and state stories from recent days. Now, before the break, we talked about what's been happening in Springfield. We also discussed former Vice President Mike Pence's recent visit to Chicago. And still with us, Chicago journalists Alice Yin, Dan Mihalopoulos, and Christian Farr. The families of 16 hockey players from St. Ignatius College Prep, they filed a lawsuit against the truck driver that slammed into their school bus a few weeks ago. Christian, what's the latest on that?
1: Yeah, that happened on November 12th. It was pretty shocking. I covered that the day that it happened. This was in Indiana. Um, There were some junior varsity hockey hockey players from um, St. Ignatius um, going through an intersection on a bus. Uh, They had just finished up a tournament, and this truck driver um, who was blood alcohol level, um, was twice the legal limit in Indiana, slammed into them. Um, and then several of those hockey players were injured. In fact, one still remains in the hospital wow. um, to this day. And so on um, Monday, there was a press conference and 16 parents, uh, excuse me, 16 uh, San Ignatius hockey players um, And their families announced a lawsuit against that truck driver and also the company that he worked for. And I think some of the blame has been uh, put on the fact that it's been difficult to do hiring after the pandemic, um, that people haven't um, overtaken those jobs that um, were there previously. And is there enough training? Was this truck driver on the road too long? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know exactly what happened here, because, um, you know, luckily none of these uh, players uh, died in this crash. Um, But uh, some of them are still recovering from some very serious injuries. Um, So it's also, I think, sort of uh, an indictment on, you know, how we handle the trucking industry and making certain that we have responsible truck drivers on the road because people's lives are on the line.
0: 100 percent. Another tragic story this week. Two children. uh, They were among five people dead in a north suburban Buffalo Grove home. Any idea what this was about, Dan?
3: Well, the police there are not saying a lot, um, but it's it's a tragic uh, situation. Five people in the same family all stabbed multiple times. The family's name is the Kislyaks, K-I-S-L-I-A-K-S, and is someone with a you know quote unquote unpronounceable name. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. But um, it was Andrew, thirty nine, Vera, his wife, thirty six, Vivian, six years old, Amelia, four years old, their children. And uh, Andre Kizlyak's uh, mother, Lilia, 67, all found dead. And people are piecing together there was a divorce. They were they were going through orders of protection, foreclosure. Mm. But who perpetrated the the murders? Um, they the police haven't said yet. But this is heart-breaking. as of 11 o'clock or noon when we came on the air. Yeah.
0: Wow. All right, shifting gears. Winter. May not officially be here until December 21st, but uh, that's not what the city thinks. They've started their winter parking ban officially yesterday. And so for anyone who's not familiar with this driving ritual, Dan, I'd love for you to get us up to speed.
3: Yeah, we have to drive around town on a Simon, and unlike the (laughs) TV guys, we can't park (laughs) illegally everywhere, Christian. I don't know what you're talking about. No, (laughs) but but seriously, um, you know, 3 to 7 a.m. from December 1st to April 1st when there's more than two inches of snow on the ground. Don't take the risk. You don't want to be ticketed and told. They want you out of the way so they can go and plow Ed Burke Street before everyone else. Is that a little dig? That happened. That used to. Ha- that Dan, used that to happen. Until I we explode. used to hear about it. That, it is. True. that <laughs> is true. That is
0: true. That is true. It's a little bit of a is, is pat on the we back. We were talking there. a moment ago, Alice. That you you don't drive. Is this why to to avoid <laughs> these kinds of complications? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, so though we may not love the cold weather, folks, it is perfect for staying inside and and doing things like maybe watching the World Cup. I'm crushed. Canada's out. Well, but you know, you guys. The U.S. Yeah, <laughs> still gonna, going strong. You're going to be facing the join Netherlands us, tomorrow. Us. Yes, I'm here. I'm here. I've, I've joined. Uh, what have you been hearing? You you've been talking with World Cup fans, Dan.
3: Yeah, well, I kind of scammed uh, an assignment last weekend. I I was on duty, and I said, "Well, you know, I'd like to pitch a feature and go and watch uh, the World Cup <laughs> with people." So you I are have a smart man. And I, your
0: editor fell for that.
3: It was a very street smart thing to do. I found my way to the Croatian cultural center for you their found victory your way. over Canada. <laughs> Uh, the uh, Donk House in in Lincoln Square with the Germans, and I uh, was with the Argentinians at Barra Eñe on uh, Elston. They're still alive with Lionel Messi, but tomorrow I'll be in my my basement with my soccer <laughs> scarves and other paraphernalia, watching the USA at nine in the morning. Against, we all just
0: got a visual against of that. the Dutch. <laughs>
3: yeah, Dan in his basement. <laughs>
1: Might be a nice basement.
3: You never know. (laughs)
0: That's true. Cedar
3: paneling. What do you got in this
0: basement, Dan?
3: Soccer, scarves, beer, cedar (laughs) paneling.
0: So in addition to watching the World Cup, some families are going to spend the weekend looking for that perfect Christmas tree. I don't want to get you in trouble, Christian. I don't want to have you looking like a Grinch out here. But you did report people might be a little bit disappointed.
1: Yeah. Um, Why? So the, the problem is that there was a drought. And so because there was a drought, there's a limited number of Christmas trees and varieties of Christmas trees. So when you head to the lot – now, I wouldn't know this because I've never had a real Christmas tree. Me
0: neither. My mother – Team artificial tree.
1: My mother is team (laughs) artificial tree. She raised me artificial trees, so I've never had one. So I actually had to ask, like, is this expensive? And it was. I mean – people used to spending six to seventy dollars to buy a Christmas tree they're paying uh, more than a hundred dollars uh, for a Christmas tree that they would have gotten last year because uh, of that drought you've got the limited number of Christmas trees coming in but people said it's not going to ruin their Christmas it's one time a year that I have to do this so if I got to pay <laughs> I got to pay the bloated amount yeah. I'm gonna pay the bloated amount no one was saying no I'm not buying a Christmas tree this year
0: what about you Alex Dan, Alice Dan do you have are you real tree artificial tree what team are you on
3: A real tree. I mean, we we just always go to the parking lot of the um, local uh, shopping center, and they on. Unpack them from Merrill, Wisconsin. They're nice people. And we, we they saw us some maple syrup, too. And I try to get my, my family to go out and maybe cut one down, but this is the tradition to just go a mile away. Christmas to, vacation. Yeah. yeah they, they <laughs> see, see, that's them the work I don't want to
0: do. I don't want to cut anything down. Nope. Time. No. Like pull
3: it the out team. of my attic. Yeah,
0: exactly. Same tree. It smells better. Years though. in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know about that smell. Mm. Uh, <laughs> we'll <laughs> debate <laughs> that. Tell me tell me on YouTube, what do you think about the smell? I, I'd love to know. Um, so before we go, I'm wondering... Wondering if any stories this week really stuck with y'all? Like maybe something that you were surprised about, or something that you thought was just underreported. Alice,
2: um, I'm definitely going to be looking more into the Aldermanic races, and I think you know all readers and citizens should. Um, you know the mayor's race gets a lot of attention as it should, but doesn't you know. it though? Yeah, a lot of focus. Yeah, um, but, you know, there's only 50 aldermen in Chicago. They wield a lot of power. They only, vote on only <laughs> legislation. <50. laughs> yeah, Only 50, yeah. wow. Um, and there's going to be 11 open seats come February. Um, there are 15 aldermen, I believe, who um, will retire by the, that end, or they already have retired, or they got convicted of a felony, you know. Um, so city council could look very different come May. And um, I think um, there's... Not as much interest, obviously, um, compared to some bigger races, but uh, people should be engaged and think about local issues and look into candidates that they um, are interested in. Yeah, very good
0: points.
3: Yeah, I agree. Having covered city council races, that's uh, very important to people on an elemental level and their, their line of communication, first line of, of contact with uh, for garbage carts and, and things of that nature. Plus, you know, there has been already a lot of change over the last few elections in a city council that had become pretty stagnant. And so you have a lot of these, you know, Berks and uh, Zaleski's and, and Mel's who were these figures that were there for decades and decades. You know, Burke went, got on the city council before I was born. Think mm, about that and yeah. look how old I am. That's so, a long time you know, ago. The, 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 this is something to, <laughs> to watch for and also to look at the sort of alliances that are formed. I also think that Buffalo Grove situation has been really um, not gotten as much attention for whatever reason. It, yeah, it really reminds me of the the horrible Lori Dan um domestic uh, murders in the North Shore quite a few years ago now and uh, uh, are we becoming so kind of um, Im- in immune to, to reacting to these sorts of things mm-hmm. when we have so much violence you know, in our society I don't know
0: all yeah. coming to us at, at once what about you Christian what's on your radar maybe something that happened already or, or something that you've got coming down the pike
1: well I grew it down on the Buffalo Grove story I mean um, I think months prior to that maybe even maybe a year there was a similar story done. Um, where a father had uh killed his two children, and um it got I think it got underreported I mean he ran from police, they had to go track him down, yeah um so it was just you know shocking and devastating. And I was out there covering it yesterday and just hearing the details that you know a divorce foreclosure ends in this yeah. um and so I think it 's one of those shocking things. I want to see what happens with the safety act. you know I really want to see what happens on January first mm-hmm. um, I think there was a lot of fear mongering that was going on. I don't know if that's correct. I want to see how the, you know, the justice system is going to work um, in Cook County, you know, uh, one of the largest um, courtrooms uh, in the country. Um, And, you know, I go there every once in a while. I want to see how that's going to function. I've heard from a lot of prosecutors who complain about it.
0: That's going to be uh, one to watch for sure. Well, I just want to give us some more love here as we wrap up. Shamrock Bloom says, I love Dan Mihalopoulos. And his many important breaking stories. He is a WBEZ treasure.
3: I love you, too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bill says, loving this YouTube stream. Thank you for mentioning it on your radio broadcast. Well, you're welcome, Bill. We've got Christian Farr, reporter for NBC5, Chicago Tribune political reporter Alice Ian, and WBEZ investigative reporter Dan Mahalopoulos. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend.